Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. I've been pretty upfront with you. We're teaching through a study that Pastor Robert Morris did, and we're kind of teaching through and adding to and adjusting as the Holy Spirit uh, leads to us. But it's all about how Christians or Christ followers, even though Jesus finished the price and we are free and free indeed according to the Scripture, the Bible says that it's very possible that we open doors in our life and the enemy can come in and he can influence even to, the, to some degree control our lives and cause us to live much, much lower than what Jesus intended when he said, I want you to have life to the fullest capacity. And we know that, right? Just take the spirituality out for a minute. We know that in those moments where we, we know we, we're better than this, there, there's got to be more, or if I just had another opportunity, I know I got a whole nother gear. We, we can sense that down on the inside, but oftentimes it's because we've opened these doors. And we looked in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, and found out that there were three primary approaches, three primary ramps that the enemy uses to get into our life, and it lists them this way. It, it says it's the pride of life or we also uh, connected to that the fear of man. We've talked about that already. It's the lust of the eyes. We've talked about what does that mean when you start staring at something and, and you awaken inappropriate desires. And by the way, let me just stop and say, if you missed any of these, go get a podcast on this and listen to them. This is not just getting information. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to change, to transform us and literally set us free so we can step into this new season that that the Holy Spirit's birthing. If something has been registering with you, there is no condemnation. So if you feel something that's pushing you away from God, I can tell you that's not God. That's just not. But if you sense a conviction of the Holy Spirit, like something's being, being talked about or some scripture pops up and, and it's like, you feel it, man, that's me right there. Don't run away from that. Run to that. Repent. Tell, I mean, just change your mind on that and say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to need your help, but I'm going a different direction because I'm telling you, God's setting people free. It's important you understand all that, and you're really sober to this, because today we're going we're gonna to get into what I think is one of the most relevant and the most serious and the most sobering messages in this whole series uh, uh, in, in terms of what we're dealing with today. And today we're going to talk about the lust of the flesh. In fact, it's so serious that the title that we put on today's message is Fighting for Your Life fighting for your life. Now this corresponds with John 10, 10, that there's an enemy that's come to steal, kill, and he wants to destroy your whole life. But if you will step into faith and fight for your life, the Bible says that we have everything we need to be overcomers and to be victorious. Well, I'm a- I ask you to turn to Proverbs chapter 7 because it's one of a number of places in Scripture that I see is very, very accommodating to us and literally lays out a step-by-step or a play-by-play script so that you can see how the enemy is baiting you and how he's trying to capture you through lust. In fact, there's a number of scripture, uh, passages I told you. Uh, another one, if you, we don't have time to study, but Romans chapter 1, starting in about in uh, verse 17 or maybe 18, but for the rest of the chapter, it gives you step by step, play by play, what it looks like when a culture goes into moral decline. And you can just watch it. 
I mean, you can just kind of put, lay it there and lay it in front of some of the headlines and some of the, the biggest cultural things that are going on now. For those of you that are young adults and maybe high schoolers, lay Romans chapter 1 down there and lay what you're looking at and facing and hearing every single day on your campuses, and you're going to see God knows what he's talking about. The Bible is so specific. In fact, the, these passages are so relevant that oftentimes as a pastor, I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit to go to these passages when someone comes to me and says, Pastor Gil, I'm struggling with something. Okay, let, let's open up because it's right here. Oh, you're at step number three, and we got to talk about how one and two got bypassed, but you're at step number three. If you'll turn around, God will deliver you. But if you don't, let me just tell you what's going to happen to you in the next couple of, couple of weeks or the next you know, period of time. And if you go from there, you're going to go all the way down, but this is what you're on a path and you can't escape this. The Bible's really clear and really relevant, which is why the enemy works so hard to convince people otherwise. This is not just a religious book. I'm telling you, this is a roadmap to freedom and a roadmap to life. So no condemnation, but let the Holy Spirit talk to you because we're going to get free. Uh, uh, and so again, I'm asking you to go to Proverbs chapter 7 because it, it's literally the most explicit uh, passage on how lust draws people in. And we're just going to walk through the whole chapter. It's not that long, and, uh, but I, I want you to see what the chapter is actually saying. So start with me in verse number one. This is Solomon writing, and he's writing to uh, those that are under him, his, his children, but those that, are, that he's over. He says, my son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live. Remember, we're talking about fighting for your life, fighting for your life. And my law is the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. It means memorize them, focus on them. So this is what comes up when you're in a situation. Say to wisdom, you're on my sister. In other words, I don't know everything, but we're growing up together. You're, you're part of, of my growing up experience here. And, uh, and, and call understanding your nearest kin. In other words, we're experiencing life together. We're interpreting. This is how it works. And we're leaning, we're leaning together uh, on understanding. Why? That they may keep you from the immoral woman and the seductress who, seductress who flatters with her words. Now, let me just give you two thoughts here. The first one is, even though this is going to give you a narrative, it's like we're reading a storyline and it's between a man and a woman. It's really not just talking about a man and a woman. It's talking about the spirit of lust and how lust tempts people and how it leads them down this trail. And so when, every time we're mentioning the man or the woman, you, you need to, in your mind, in your heart, understand the, spirit, the Holy Spirit's talking to us. It can be a man being led astray or a woman being led astray. This is about how the spirit of lust preys on every single one of us. The second thing that I want you to see that uh, is going to become a little more relevant later on is scholars believe that this actually happened. That this is the Holy Spirit highlighting something that King Solomon was in his upstairs room and he kind of pulled back you know, the, the curtain and he looked through the lattice and he actually watched an overview of the street. He actually watched this happen. And so th this is real, this is literal, but it also has some great spiritual lessons and then we want to get both this morning. Okay, we're in verse number six. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice and I saw among the simple, that just means naive, I perceived among the youths a young man, notice this, devoid of understanding. He, he, didn't, he wasn't there with the intention to do wrong, he just didn't get it. 
He, he just didn't realize. So this is not belittling youth or, or kind of patting them on the head and patronizing. This is saying that Solomon watched and he said, oh man, this guy has no idea what he's getting into. He has no idea how dangerous, how weighty this is and what's at stake. Verse number eight, passing along the street, notice near her corner, and he took the path to her house. So I want you to notice this. First, he's near. You, know, you ever heard that saying, well, you know, I can look just as long as I don't touch. No, no, no. Psalm 1 says that if you get in the counsel of the ungodly, it's going to put you down a path. And the next thing you know, you're where you shouldn't be. And so here he's like, well, I'm not really going there, but you know, I'm walking by the street and I'm just kind of checking it out. And he does that enough times and, and then he's edging ever closer. And pretty soon he just makes a decision and he takes the path to her house. Verse nine, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. This is really important for you and I to pay attention to. Because especially when you're in the early stages of being lured and tempted, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, the spirit of lust operates in the shadows. It happens late at night. It happens when you're watching something you shouldn't be watching. You're doing something you shouldn't be doing. And listen, the whole strategy is not to destroy your life right then. The whole strategy is to get you at the wrong place at the wrong time. So you can open up yourself to a vulnerability because you think you can, ha you can handle it, but it's doing this to, to get your resistance low and to cloud your judgment. So it's kind of setting you up for the kill. And notice this verse 10 says, and there, where? In the wrong place at the wrong time when he went from just kind of hanging around to, okay, I'm just going to go check it out. I, I, I'm not going to do anything. I mean, I, I can handle it. I know better than that. I'm not going to do anything. But he steps in the wrong place at the wrong time. And once he did... A woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. Again, this is not talking just about an individual. It's talking about how the spirit of lust draws us in and creates vulnerabilities. And in today's culture, now when I was a kid, this would have been preached almost exclusively that, that you know, about uh, men has to guard their eyes and women you need to dress, you know, modestly so that you don't tempt men. Listen to me, we're, we're in a day and age where that goes two directions. Two directions. And let me just tell you, if you ever get to the point where you realize that you're dressing to accentuate your body, you're wrong. You're wrong. You can be trendy, but if you're accentuating your body, and by the way, you know when you're doing that, not only, only are you intentionally putting the other gender to te into temptation, but listen to me, more important than that, you've already opened yourself up to a spirit of lust. You just don't, you just don't see it yet. But you've opened it up because now you're operating in cooperation, and we have to really be careful. The world's full of this, and it goes two different directions. Lust is not a one-way street now. Lust is both genders coming in and, uh, and acknowledging this. And so notice this. It goes on and says that she had an attire of a heart and a crafty heart. Notice verse 11. She was loud and rebellious. Again, not just referring to the person, the woman. This is referring to the spirit of lust. And listen, more than ever in our culture, in our society, this is not a secret anymore. I mean, this is in parades, this is on the news, this is being put into legislature, this is loud, and it is in God's face. Like, we don't care what you think, this is what we're doing, and this is what we believe the new norm to be. Verse 12, I'm sorry, uh, verse 11, 
uh, let's finish it. It says her feet would not stay at home. That means she was not grounded, but it also means this was not in private anymore. There's lots of people that, you know, had a lot of things in private, and then there was the big come out of the closet thing. Well, now everything's out of the closet. There are no closets. And this, this is really, really big, but notice verse 12. At times she was outside, at times she was in the open square, lurking at every corner. Listen, the spirit of lust in the day we live in is everywhere. You cannot avoid it. You can't. It's, it's in every, every magazine. It's in every Facebook you know, listing. It, it's, it's on all the social media platforms. It's in every movie. It's everywhere. This is all over the place. Uh, it, and and it's, it's wide open. But notice verse 13, it says, so, okay, because he was at the wrong place, because he was at the wrong, in, in, in the wrong uh, area at the wrong, wrong time, and because he was so naive, he didn't get this. He just thought, well, you know, it's not a big deal. I can handle this. And he didn't understand it. Notice this, she caught him. And when she did, she kissed him. Now, here, here's something you really need to understand. Listen to me, the enemy always tips his hand. I don't care how deceptive he is. There's always going to come that point in the temptation where there's something that's said or something that's done that will shock you. You'll be like, whoa, whoa, what's that all about? And listen to me, when that happens, that is your cue. Something's not right. And the Bible consistently, every single place, you won't find one place when you get that shock you won't find one place that tells you, but you just kind of stand there and tough it out. No, no, every single place says run, run, run. Because if it shocked you, you didn't see it coming. You're already several steps into this thing. You don't even know what you're dealing with. Run. And, and this, is, this is how the enemy is here. But, but let me also show you the strategy of today's culture. The strategy of today's culture is to so normalize lust and immorality that there is no shock value. None. You know, now things will show up on TV, in sitcoms, on movies, on Facebook scrolls, and used to, when they first started, we'd be like, oh my goodness, you know, now it's like, well, it's just normal. Now we just keep on scrolling. You might grab the remote and fast forward, you know, through a scene or whatever, but it doesn't shock you anymore, and listen carefully. The moment you're at a place where nothing shocks you anymore, you're vulnerable. You don't realize that, but you're vulnerable. You've already accepted it as norm. I'm not saying you've accepted it as your value, but you've accepted it as norm and you no longer see the distinction between dark and light. Uh, let me take you back to Romans chapter one. I told you there was that step-by-step -step play. And, and, and the reason that, there, that there's this spiraling downward is because the enemy needs time to, to normalize us. He needs time to callous us over so we get used to one thing and then he just drops it to the next level, another thing. I'm telling you, you read Romans chapter 1 verse 18, it talks all the way from an unthankful and unaccepting heart to the word of God being truth and God being God, being the final say, all the way through the levels of immorality that we've seen over the years and even, even deals with furries. And if you don't know what a furry is, then you're just, you're not quite up to, up to speed yet. But I'm telling you, the Bible saw this coming. And it says this is exactly what will happen. It will walk you down this trail, and you won't even know what's happening. And so when the shock value comes, lean into that and say, Lord, what is this? What, what are you saying to me? Because this, this is really, really important. All right, let's go on to verse 13. With an impudent face, that means a brazen, rebellious, no shame, no shame, no embarrassment. In fact, they're rather pushy. They're rather insistent aggressive about their particular opinion. 
with an impudent face, she said to him, notice this, I have my peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. In other words, I'm a Christian too. In fact, today I went to church. I paid my tithe. I heard a great message on grace. And yeah, I I know I probably shouldn't be feeling this way. I probably shouldn't be thinking. I know this is a little bit over the line. But you know what? God's God's helping me. I'm not perfect yet. And I just know that God's grace and God's forgiveness will be here. Listen, early in this series, I told you a story about a couple that was in our church one time. And they were in this immoral relationship and they knew it. And, they, and I asked them, so how's that working? And they would go home and, you know, just, just do, their, do their, their life. And then they would, uh, when they were finished with an intimate time, they, they'd immediately roll to either side of the bed, pray and ask the Lord to forgive them, and then climb right back in it again. Listen to me, that's the height of deception. The height of deception to think that you can stay on a pathway of sin, and God, but God knows my heart. He does know your heart. And he's desperate for your heart to get right and you're desperate for your heart to get free. Let's continue, verse number 15. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face and I found you. In other words, I've been asking God. I've, I've just, I just need to be loved. I need to be you know, taken care of. I need a soulmate. I've been asking God for someone just like you. And look, God's answered my prayer. Here you are. I finally found you. And notice what she says next. I've spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. In other words, I can't give you off my mind. I've been thinking about you. I, I've, been, I've been imagining what it would be like. I've made plans. And here, I'm just going to say it, okay? I want to be with you. And she just blurts it out. And verse 18, she says, Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Listen to me. Lust always masquerades itself as love. But they could not be farther from, 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 uh, from each other. Listen, love, making love uh, is what the culture calls it. That's not one night of passion. That's not. Making love, according to the Bible, is spending a lifetime with the one that God has joined you to, facing every challenge, riding the celebrations, going all the way down and pulling each other up in discouragement. And over a period of time, you look back and you said, we have built a life of love together. That's what making love is in in the word of God. And that always lasts. Listen to me, lust is from hell, love is from heaven. I know that's oversimplified. Lust will always bring death. It'll destroy everything in your life. Love, as tough and challenging as it can be sometimes, will always bring great fulfillment, great reward, and will bring life. This is just the word of God. I didn't design this. God did. Now let's keep going in verse number 19. It says, for my husband, oh wait, there's a husband. See, here's the other thing about lust. It, It never tells you the whole story up front. It kind of just baits you with the things that feel good, the things that you can imagine, you know what, but that would be so much, but it never tells you the whole story. But the deeper you get in, then all of a sudden here comes these other things and you have to overlook them to keep going and doing what you're supposed to, what, what, you're, what you're trying to do. For my husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. Here's something else about the spirit of lust. It works to convince you, you won't get caught. No one's going to know. Who, who's it going to hurt? It's just it's me and this other person. You're not going to get caught. It's not, not a big deal. But listen to me. Even though it's possible that you may live a lifetime and you may never be discovered by family and friends and coworkers, listen to me, you are deceived if you don't think God's watching. This is a measurement from God. 
the king is standing at his window. He's watching every single movement. He's watching every thought. He's watching every decision that's being weighed. Listen to me, not to condemn anybody, but to offer a way out so that we can be rescued and we can be freed because this is not going to lead you to a good place. I don't care how much it promises, it will. Verse 21, with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. She kept on and on and on. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastened to the snare. Listen to this last statement. He did not know it would cost him his life. Now again, scholars believe that Solomon actually watched this. And what the story doesn't unfold, but scholars believe uh, because adultery back then was a capital offense. You're stoned. You're put to death for that. Scholars believe that Solomon watched this whole thing play out. The young man went into her house and then he came back out. He's watching all this from the streets. And as soon as he did, Solomon, uh, the scholars believe that Solomon had those two sent for and brought to him and he executed them. But listen to me. The king's watching. And the consequences are real. There are lots of scriptures in the Bible that are really straightforward. Adulterers and fornicators will have their place in hell. And the height of deception in the culture is, yeah, but, but not me because I believe in Jesus. I'm telling you, if you don't understand and you don't sober up and allow the Holy Spirit, listen to me, you need to check your salvation. And you need to sober up about what the Bible promises your future will be. This is serious stuff. And this is why it's pervasive around the world right now. Let's continue. We'll finish off. Now, and so he says, the consequences are so real. Now Solomon pulls away from the narrative and he turns around after telling the story. He's talking to the people that he loves. He says, now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Remember, this is not a her or a him. This is a spirit of lust. Do not stray into her path, for she has cast down many wounded, and listen to this, all who were slain by her were strong men or women. Uh, it's amazing because I, I, I meet people as a pastor often, and, and they think they're going to be the first one in history to violate scripture and not get caught. First one in history to walk just contrary to all these principles, all these warnings. Yeah, but you don't understand. This one's different. This one's special. You don't understand because here's why, Pastor Gill. And they think they're going to be the first one in history that's going to walk down a wrong path, but it's going to turn out really well. But listen to me. History is littered with greater men and greater women than any of us in this room who have fallen to a spirit of lust. Every single person who walks down this trail is going to end up in the same place. Regret, remorse, destruction, and shame. Every single person is going to end up. Verse 27, her house is the way to hell, descending into the chambers of death. In other words, the Bible again, over and over, says that adulterers and fornicators are going to find their place in hell. Now, no, no condemnation. If you repent, forgiveness is there. Deliverance is there. Freedom is there. And God can turn this thing around in a minute and head you somewhere else. But if you persist... And again, you, you need to open your eyes and open, the, open your Bible so that you're not shocked. You're not deceived. This is exactly where you're headed. And this is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous thing. 
So let me, let me give you three indications that, uh, that a spirit of lust is either trying to pull on you or maybe you're already involved in this thing uh, just so that you can really understand and, and be sure. Here's number one. Number one is desire. Desire. The interesting thing about desire it comes from the Greek word uh, epithumia, and, and it literally is a neutral word. In other words, we always think when we hear lust, we think right away sexual immorality and all, you know, that kind of perversion stuff. But really the Bible uses it just to highlight an intense passion, kind of, kind of a, a strong, strong craving, something that you're being pulled towards or you're being drawn to. And again, it's a neutral word. In fact, let me just read you a couple of New Testament scriptures. There's more, but a couple of New Testament scriptures that uses this Greek word epithumia where it's translated lust somewhere else, it's translated different, but it's the same exact word with the same exact uh, connotation just over in the positive. Listen to this, Luke twenty-two fifteen. This is Jesus talking. And he, and he said to them, the disciples, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And both those words, fervent desire and the word desire, that's the Greek word epithumia, it's lust. Let me shock you a little more. Uh, James chapter four, verse five is talking about uh, us putting our priorities and allowing the Holy Spirit to govern. He says this, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. He literally lusts after time with you. He's lusting after time with you. This is what the Bible says. And so when we think about, you know, those strong desires or cravings or passions, these are God given, which is one of the reasons the Bible says you can't fight them. That's a piece of machinery God put in you. And once that gets going, you only have one alternative, run. Get out of it if it's not appropriate. But God put that in you, so when you cultivate this in godly parameters, it's what makes life wonderful. I mean, it's just what makes you smile all the time. Because God, God gave you these things, and you're actually experiencing this. But whenever flesh takes over, flesh will always push you past the, the, the scriptural boundaries. It'll always lead you into inappropriate scenarios and inappropriate contexts, and, and it does it for one reason, in order to kill, steal, and to destroy your life. And listen to me, that's exactly what Paul's talking about in Galatians chapter 5. Listen to this. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now listen to me, walk, people get weird about walking in the Spirit. It really just means walking a life after the spiritual things, the way God said. Let me say it this way. It means walking in God's way so that you won't end up walking in the wrong path at the wrong time, in the wrong place, with the wrong kind of judgment. And so God's just preserving that for you. And he says, so walk in the Spirit, and if you do that, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because the, lust, because the flesh lusts against the spirit. So the things that are passionate in certain parts of, of our natural person will always go against what the Holy Spirit's trying to get you to do. It's saying go the right way, but you know, the, the two little angels on your shoulder, one's the bad angel, one's the good angel, and one's trying to get you to go. That, that's, the, that's the flesh against the spirit. And the flesh will always have passions that are going against the spirit. Notice this. And the spirit has passions against the flesh. We don't understand that. If you begin to get the spiritual part of you well-fed and well-nurtured, listen to me, it has passions that will pull you just away from the things of the flesh. You, won't, you don't realize that, but your appetites will change. Your desires will change. The things that used to you know, be really tempting, we're not tempting anymore. Like, pff, what, why would I want to do that? 
Because your spiritual life is is moving you in your passions in a whole different direction. And notice why. It says, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not keep the things that you wish. In other words, depending on which one you feed, it will literally keep you from doing the other thing. So if you're feeding your flesh all the time, but you just pop into church once in a while and kind of hang out till the message is over, then your flesh is what's going to be driving you. And even when you get to those times that you want to do the right thing, your flesh is going to say, yeah, but you know what? And it's just going to move you a different direction. However, if you'll begin to lean in and begin to feed your spirit, you'll begin to live the way God wants you to do. I'm telling you, this thing will begin to snap and change and transform your appetites. And it will literally drag you out of the path Uh, that the enemy is trying to get you down. It's the same thing that Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Now, this is a hinge. What happens in in, in what you determine to do, what happens in your mind, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded is death. That's a declarative statement. There's no neutral ground there. Yeah, but, but I can just kind of do a little bit of this and nope. Yeah, but God knows my heart. He's it. Yep. But so that means I can, nope. It's to be carnally minded is only going to take you to death and destruction, disappointment, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So number one is desire, understanding there's, there's two different pathways. And if you take God's pathway, it's going to lead you to a wonderful place. Here's number two, deception. Deception. And we're going to look at some passages in Proverbs chapter six, one chapter before chapter seven because it's dealing with immorality, kind of a ramping up before you get the script in chapter 7. So Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And and it's a very declarative statement. The only way of life, not one way. This is the only right way to live. Why? Because it'll keep you from the evil woman, Again, not just a woman, not even including a man. This is a spirit of lust. From the flattering tongue of a seductress. Now, here's, here, here's the, the warning signs. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For or because by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. Your life will just dry up. And, 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 and you'll, you'll, you'll have no, no moisture, no life in you, no life-giving features. Your life will just kind of crum, crumble up and dry up. Notice this, and, in other words, once you're vulnerable, and an adulteress will prey upon your precious life. Now it's going to ask two questions that are kind of, they're easy, but they're rhetorical to get you thinking in a certain direction. He says, can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? So can you take a cigarette lighter, light it, and then stick it in your shirt and not expect your shirt to get on fire? Well, no, that's silly. Of course, of course you're going to catch on fire. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? No, not never. That, that's absolutely silly. Verse 29, so is, or in the same exact way, he who goes into his neighbor's wife or husband, whoever touches her shall not be innocent. And, and, and he makes a statement. Now, now he's going he's gonna to put a couple of strange scriptures It almost seems like somebody copied it wrong, and he's talking about this spirit of lust and this immorality, and someone just jammed these two scriptures in there, but they didn't. This is an important insight, so let's read it, and I'll give it to you in a moment. He said, people do not despise a thief if, if, if he steals to satisfy himself when he's starving. 
Verse 31, yet, or even in that case though, when he's found out, he must restore sevenfold. And it goes on and says, and in order to do that, he may have to give up all the substance of his house. So this is really serious, but, but people get it if you're trying to satisfy a need. Let's keep going and I'll come back. Whoever commits adultery with a woman, again, or vice versa, it's a spirit of adultery, lacks understanding. You just don't understand. He who does so destroys his own soul. It's not just, you know, your, your reputation and your job. You, something's going on inside and you're literally coming apart on the inside. You don't even realize it. Verse 33, wounds and dishonor he will get and his reproach will not be wiped away. Now, let me go back to those two strange verses. It talked about pe- people understand when someone steals because they're starving. They've got this need that they've got to fill. But even in that case, if they do it the wrong way, there's still a consequence and a penalty, but at least you can understand. Here's what it's saying. Listen to me. Godly passion can be satisfied. Godly passion can be very fulfilling, can be very satisfying. You have these moments where you're like, man, this is, this is just wonderful. This is exactly what God intended. But listen carefully. Lust is never satisfied. Never never satisfied. And, and if you've ever been trapped in this, here's what you, you can validate. The more that you try, the emptier you feel. And the more you try and the emptier you feel, the more you try again, and the more you're literally destroying yourself from the inside out. You have no grid anymore for what healthy, godly passion is supposed to look like. This is, this is what the enemy does, steal, kill, and destroy. And listen, if you've ever been, I, I was caught in this when I was in high school, all the way through the first few years of college, and I, 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 I didn't understand most of this. All I knew was, I don't want to think this way. I don't want to be trapped in this. I don't want to be drugged back to this train of thought all the time. I want to be free, but I didn't have any idea until the Lord helped me to understand some things in, in this right here, and I, and I got free. But I'm telling you, this is exactly how it works. In fact, listen to Habakkuk 2, verse 5 says this. It's talking about an evil man, and it says he does not stay at home. He, he's not grounded anywhere. But it goes on and says, because, or some translations say because of this, or as a result, he enlarges his desire as hell, and he is like death and cannot be satisfied. In other words, the deeper he goes to try to satisfy that, you know, that hunger in here, the more empty he feels, and he just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. Again, welcome to Romans chapter 1 in a culture. You're not thanking God. You won't acknowledge that he's God and what he says is right. And so you go on the search to find happiness and fulfillment somewhere else. And as you do, you just get farther and farther and farther down a rabbit hole away from the truth. This is what the Bible says. So number one is desire. Number two is deception. Here's number three. It's death. Number three is death. James chapter one, verse 14 and 15 just lays it out for us. It says, each one of us, every single individual is tempted when he or she is drawn away by his own desires. That's that word lust or passion, right? Can go either way. Can go either way. But in this case, it's talking about when you're drawn into inappropriate places or you're drawn across wrong lines. It says that you're, you're drawn away by your own desires. Notice this, and enticed. So the moment your desires begin to lean and like the guy that was on the street, you're kind of, I'm just looking, I'm just like, I'm just checking it out. Hey, what's that over there? And all pretty soon you're in. 
The moment you, you, you begin to lean that direction and you keep moving, moving towards that, listen, the spirit of lust comes and he'll hook you. It says, and enticed, and then once desire has conceived, once you step in and you make that act, it gives birth to sin inside of you. And sin, when it's full grown, if you stay on that path, it will bring forth death. You're not going to reap anything else. And this is what the word of God's trying to get us. Do, do you remember when, the, when God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat that fruit in that day, you'll die. And the enemy came and said, you're not going to die. That's just crazy. Well, they ate the fruit and physically they didn't drop dead. But spiritually, they did. And we see the same thing with the spirit of lust. It's not the moment you step into sin that God's going to strike you with lightning. He's going to take you off the earth. It's not even necessarily in that particular moment that you'll lose your salvation. But let me tell you, what will die almost immediately is your fellowship, the, the, the connection, the communion you have with God. Your ability to hear the Holy Spirit clearly and to be able to sense the warning signs for him turn you around, that begins to quickly diminish. And then it moves to the outside, and all of a sudden you become very isolated. You're not the same in the relationships you had before. You're certainly not the same if you're married. Your spouse, all of a sudden, those things, walls begin to go up, and you're hiding, and you're, you're, you're trying to be secretive, and, and you're making plans, and you're dodging. All those things interfere. Listen, we, don't, we, we wouldn't be able to calculate. Only, only God could calculate how many families disintegrated because of this. How many marriages were lost that God wanted to restore, but they were lost because of this right here. Not only that, we don't think, we don't make these connections about the next ripple effects. How many businesses failed because of this? How many promotions were aborted because God couldn't trust you because you're not even listening to him anymore? You're on a whole different path. How many blessings fortified? The list just goes on and on and on. But all of it, it's because a person continued to indulge in the spirit of lust. And I'm telling you, nothing will come of it from death. I need about five or six more minutes and I'm going to show you how to get out of this, okay? It's not a silver bullet, but it's taking the right steps. And so if I made this a fourth step, it would be how do I get out? And listen, it's two-part. It's deliverance and discipleship deliverance and discipleship. Early in the, in the study, if you've been with us the whole time, I, I quoted a statement from Dr. Jack Hayford, and he said, you can't cast out the flesh, and you can't disciple a demon. You can't cast out the flesh, and you can't disciple a demon. And it's important we understand that, because there's a lot of Christians or a lot of churches that emphasize one or the other. Some churches will emphasize, well, you just need deliverance. You just need deliverance. Like there's this one powerful moment and that's it. Your life is the same forever. Well, no, that just sets you free. But there's other churches that say, you know what? You just need to spend more time in the word. You just need to spend more time in, in prayer. Don't go where you're not supposed to be. Be, be in church and all those things. And that, that's wonderful. That's discipleship. But really it takes these two together. We, we have to have them both to understand how to get free. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 says this, for we walk in the flesh so we're walking in natural stuff, right? We're experiencing natural things, but we don't war according to the flesh. When it comes time to win a battle, to overcome something, we don't do that in the natural. And here's why, because or for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not limited to natural stuff, but they're mighty in God for or designed specifically for pulling down strongholds. 
It's only the word of God. It's only the spirit of God, deliverance and discipleship that can literally break you out of a prison, break you out of a pattern, break you out of an addiction, and then set your life on a different course so that you're experiencing the blessing of God. You have to have both, but it's specifically designed to do this. This is why God set it up this way. He went on and he said, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. I'd love to teach on it all, but we don't have time. Let me just highlight the word stronghold. It's really important. It comes from the Greek word okrithumia. And here's what it means. It, It literally means a fortress. It means something that is strong and solid and impenetrable. But again, in the secular Greek, it's also a neutral word. The Bible most of the time uses this at a picture or a metaphor describing kind of a mindset, or we'll say it this way, a train of thought, or a pattern of impulse behavior that directs the course of your life. So when we're talking about the flesh, then it's talking about a perspective or a pattern that is holding you as a prisoner. It's holding you captive in these walls that you can't seem to get anything to break through and and you want to be different, but you don't know how to be different because it's got you in prison. It's a train of thought or a perspective. But the Bible also says that the word of God, the presence of the Lord living a discipled life is also a, a stronghold. And it says when you build that stronghold, you can literally run to it in the times of trouble and you'll be safe. So temptation's chasing you and you're fighting this thing. You can run into this kind of a stronghold and you're not, you're not impacted at all. You can literally be overcoming and, and say, in fact, Psalm 18 verse 2 literally says, the Lord is my stronghold. Now, I'm trying to shorten this real quick, but Isaiah 28 verse 10 says, this is how you build the stronghold of the Lord in your life. It's not just by one powerful moment. It's not just by going to retreat and having a weekend. Those things are great. And those things are upfilling, but you build a stronghold in your life. Isaiah 28 says, line upon line, precept upon precept. I'll say it this way, brick by brick by brick by brick. You build this fortress in your life and you build it through the word of God and through time with the Lord. This is why we emphasize all the time. You've got to have daily time in the word of God in prayer. You, you got to be at church, be planted. You got to get in a connect group. So you're breaking down, you know, these kinds of studies into life on life, looking each other in the eye and understanding, oh, that's how it works. Or you're going through the same thing I am. Yeah, listen, I've really been, I, I appreciate you praying for me. Not only that, but you've got to serve somewhere. You got to get this thing moving through your life, not just in you stagnating, but you've got to get it moving through your life, which means you've got to serve and you got to share you got to be able to share. God will send you other people that are going through stuff and you say, you know what? I went through the same thing. I don't have all the answers, but I'm just going to tell you this. The only way I knew to get out was God helped me. And you've got to be doing this. This is what will begin to build brick by brick by brick. And so if you do that, then when you get into these situations, money's tight, or you're feeling pressured, or you feel rejected, or, or you know, you're being tempted by this stuff over here, listen to me, you won't run to the default of that stronghold of lust and where it used to bring you comfort and used to make you feel good about yourself. Instead, you'll run to the stronghold of God and he'll tell you who you are. We change metaphors as we bring it to a close. Uh, We talk about strongholds being a train of thought. Well, that's exactly what Romans chapter 12 says. I want you to picture this. 
picture that your mind is like Grand Central Station, right? So it's like all these trains are coming in all day long. You got trains coming in, you got trains going out. Uh, Some trains, you know, stop momentarily and keep going. Others stop and load a bunch of passengers. But you got trains coming in and going out. Here's what the Bible says. Wherever your life is headed depends on which train you board. Where where you're going to be when those trains of thought are coming through your head, where you're going to be in the next five minutes, where you're going to be in the next two days, where you're going to be in the next month, where you're going to be in the next uh, how many years of your life depends on which trains that you get on board. And this is exactly what Paul was trying to say to the Philippian church when he said, finally, brethren, or not just, okay, I'm coming to the end of the message. Here's what he's saying. In the grand conclusion, if you don't remember anything else, remember this one right here because it's the crowning jewel of what I've been trying to get across. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, that's worth mentioning. A good report means reliable truth, reliable source, proven truth. It's not fake news. It's not the false truth. You know, well, what's your truth or what's my truth? Well, this is God's truth. He says, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, listen, meditate on those things. In other words, get on that train of thought and ride it all the way to freedom. Get on that train of thought and let it take you out of the place where you're at into a whole nother place that God has for you. This is really what it's saying. And some of you, you know, are, are thinking, and I've had conversations throughout this series, Pastor Girl, I totally get that, and I want to. But listen, every time I decide to do this, I'm just trapped. It just drags me back in. I know, I get that. So does God. He's not mad at you for that. There's no condemnation for that. But he wants you to wake up and realize if you've tried and you failed and you tried and you failed and you tried and failed and you tried and failed and you keep getting drugged back, there's a stronghold. And you need to put a new train of thought there. You need something that will help you to break you out of that prison of sin, to break you, to get you off of that train that's taking you the wrong direction. You need deliverance. You need the power of God to snap that over your life and say, listen to me, now you have an opportunity to board the right train. Now you have an opportunity to begin to build the right mindset in your life that, listen, once you get it built, it will rescue you forever. Forever. Life and peace is what belongs to you. It'll lead you through every challenge if you'll do what the Bible says. And and I know some of you, as soon as I say deliverance, ah, that's spooky, that's weird. Doesn't have to be. I mean, it can be, I guess, you know, depending on what setting you're in and what particular group of people, but it doesn't have to be. This is not about, you know, sensationalism. This is about the word of God and the power of God doing what it promised he would do. But listen to me, I don't want you to hear it as spooky and weird. I want you to hear it as this is how the kingdom of God really works. That's why we're studying this series. That's why we're taking our time, spending a little longer on the messages. Thank you for being patient. But we're trying to weed through this so you can really get truth. Because the world's getting crazy. And Bible promises, the deeper we get in the last days, it's going to get more deceptive and more crazy. But for those that have a stronghold, we can run up into it and we can be safe. This is what the Bible promises. We're developing ministries that will help you guys to get free. We're developing discipleship pathways. Hopefully, we're going to roll those out after Easter. But we're going deeper and we're going to get wider because God wants to use us as a church that will bring light to the world. And we need to have people that are free and on fire to do that. Hope you've been blessed by God's word today. Thank you so long for, uh, for hanging in there and, and listening. You've been super attentive. Let me just pray for you as we leave this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the word of God doing what it promised it would do in our life. 
that you came to lead us right into that truth. Eyes wide open, heart open and humble before you. No more shadows, no more hiding, no more excuses, no more rationalizations, Lord. We're just coming just the way we are and saying, Jesus, we want you to set us free. Lord, I pray for every person in here that is wrestling with or, or kind of um, um, poking around with, with the spirit of lust, Lord. It, no matter whether they're right on the beginning of this and they're being pulled or if they're so deep into it, they don't even know where they started. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over that spirit of lust that is trying to bound, bind them or has already bound them. And in Jesus' name, I command you to let them go. I command you to loose your hold right now. I bind your hold on them and I loose them to the voice and the conviction and the freedom that God has for them. In Jesus' name, I thank you that this is their first step into eyes wide open, into hearts wide open. And Holy Spirit, that what you began as a good work, you'll carry it all the way through until Jesus takes them where he wants them to. Lord, thank you for a great Easter weekend coming up. Thank you that we're going to experience resurrection in a very tangible, whole new way as you not just help us to celebrate what you've done, but you help us to understand what you're doing in our life right now in the future that you have for us. We put all this in your hands. for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.